My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Dwight Gordon. In Toronto, the neighborhood in the city's northwest around the intersection of Jane Street and Finch Avenue has what might be described as a bad reputation. While there has been the occasional instance of high-profile crime in the area over the decades, in fact, as today's guest argues, it's really just a regular neighborhood with regular people going about their lives. However, it is a neighborhood where lots of black people live and where there is lots of poverty, so the bad reputation the community has among the city's more well-to-do residents is really more about old-fashioned scorn for poor people and anti-black racism. Dwight Gordon is a member of Jane Finch Action Against Poverty, an active group comprised of a diverse cross-section of residents of the Jane and Finch community. Founded in 2008 after a local rally on the International Day for the Elimination of Poverty, they currently meet twice a month, formerly in the local community health center and now in a college's space in a mall at the Jane Finch intersection. The name of the group includes the word poverty, and indeed that is one important element of their focus, but perhaps what is most striking about the group is the way that it functions as a vibrant, multi-issue hub, allowing active residents of the neighborhood to connect with a wide range of campaigns, initiatives, and struggles. They're involved in issues spanning everything from social assistance to the minimum wage to employment standards, from transit to healthy food to the tar sands pipeline that runs nearby. Their actions include street corner protests in the neighborhood, speaking on panels, flyering, participation as a group in larger actions in Toronto's downtown, meeting with officials, getting petitions signed, and much more. Gordon speaks with me about the community, about Jane Finch action against poverty, and about the many issues in which the group and its members are involved. We spoke by Skype to phone from Toronto. I'm Dwight Gordon of Toronto. Scarborough to be exact, and I'm with Jane Finch, Action Against Poverty, a group that campaigns against poverty issues located in the northwest end of Toronto, Jane Finch, which happens to be quite a controversial area of the city. I'm, you know, poor myself and even, you know, like a bit of a disability also being black, of Jamaican heritage. So when it comes to people who you know are disadvantaged, face obstacles in their lives because of being disadvantaged, I'm interested in issues like that, which is one reason why I've participated with Jane Finch Action Against Poverty. Jane Finch, it's a pretty diverse part of the city. I've seen, you know, whites around there, blacks, Hispanics, East and Southeast Asian people there, South Asians too, of course, and a lot of people of Caribbean heritage. So, yeah, a pretty diverse area there. And I think it's 
quite an underrated area because many people see Jane Finch as a dangerous place that should be, you know, avoided. When every time I go there, I don't notice any major upheaval. I, I don't notice any violence. I see it as a vibrant area. A lot of people going up and down, you know, going about their shopping or going to work, going home, those kind of things. There are times when the vicinity of Jane Finch will make the news for shootings, maybe stabbings. But, you know, if you ask me, it's a pretty safe area, especially compared to other parts of the world where there'd be real violence and crime. What's your sense of why so many people have a negative image of the Jane Finch neighborhood? Well, because throughout, I'd say the decades, that area would make the news quite a lot for shootings or gang activity. And, you know, with with a lot of blacks being located in that vicinity, especially ones of Jamaican heritage, you know, there are people who are quick to blame black people for the crime in Toronto. So I, I think those issues contribute to the notoriety of Jane Finch or, you know, the Jane Street Corridor in general. I don't know if you were involved at that point, but tell me what you know, at least, about the founding of Jane Finch Action Against Poverty. I don't know exactly how it got started. What happened was 2008, maybe 2007, some people active in that part of the city being, I guess, frustrated about certain poverty issues, some of them, you know, being frustrated in regards to police activity as well. And I guess, you know, being fed up with the controversy Jane Finch faces as well as the disadvantages of a lot of the residents around there, they decided to form the group. Give me an overview of the issues that JFAP gets involved in. At the moment, they are taking part in a campaign by a group known as TTC Riders, campaigning especially for lower, maybe even free fares for, you know, like the commuters. And there's a big $15 in fairness campaign going on throughout the province. Workers Action Center has a huge role in it. It's in regards to um, campaigning for a $15 minimum wage, as well as issues like paid sick days, protection for workers, decent hours for workers. And Jane Finch Action Against Poverty has been helping to campaign for that also. And some of them, uh, JFAT members, are with a group called Black Creek Community Farm that has to do with community gardening or farming, you know, like of growing food. So a lot of interest in regards to healthy food issues, growing your own healthy food, and eating affordable food. There are some from JFAP who are concerned about a pipeline known as Line 9. It runs near Jane Finch, and it runs near York University, and there are concerns about the pipeline erupting. And also in regards to benefits like Ontario Works, 
Ontario Disability Support Program. Jane Finch Action Against Poverty has shown interest in benefits like those, you know, like special diet benefits or benefits that would help, you know, like poor people move, help them move into a new home, pay rent, school issues, like in regards to wanting to see some schools in the neighborhood stay open, and issues like campaigning against any like benefit cuts, benefits for like the disadvantaged, and also campaigning against deportations of undocumented people, like refugees, for example. These are issues I've seen JFAP show an interest in. Women's issues. There are some at JFAP who also are really concerned about women's issues. Support for mothers, especially like poor or like young mothers. I've seen people from JFAP express deep interest in these issues. Racism, these issues I can think of. Gordon and I will be discussing some of these further as the interview proceeds, but Talking Radical Radio listeners might also want to follow up in a little bit more detail on at least a couple of the things that he mentioned in this past answer. Talking Radical Radio did an episode in early September 2016 with a group called Free Transit Toronto, which is another group that works with the TTC riders around transit issues in the city. And we also did an episode in January of 2016 about the Fight for $15 and Fairness campaign to raise the minimum wage and increase employment standards protections for non-union workers in Ontario. You can search for these two on rabble.ca or talkingradical.ca. I next asked Gordon to talk more about who was involved in Jane Finch Action Against Poverty. It's quite a diverse membership that meets. Some might think that it would be, you know, like mostly black people, maybe street people or something that would meet, but no. A huge amount of the membership are some women of Guyanese and Trinidadian heritage, South Asian to be more specific, senior citizens, and I see a few other senior citizens of other heritage come. I see quite a few younger ones like in their 20s of Euro heritage or, you know, long-time Canadian heritage. And there are quite a lot of blacks who go there too. I've seen a few Latin Americans. There are people from an organization, some kind of legal aid service, CLASP. They also come to JFAT meetings, whether it be staff from there or students. They're affiliated with a law school at York University. So there's some students who also attend JFAT meetings. So these are the people I can think of offhand who make up the membership. Even some, you know, like mothers who come with their little children or teenage children. I've also seen those come to JFAT meetings. And tell me a bit more about the group's meetings. Usually, the group would meet twice a month, every first and third Wednesday. For the last few months, the general membership would meet the first Wednesday, while the organizing committee would meet the second Wednesday to try and deal with certain issues that the group is facing. I guess, you know, like a bit of a backlog of issues. But generally, 
it would be twice a month the general membership would meet. For a while, they would use space at Black Creek Community Health Center, you know, around Jane Finch. But for the last maybe two years, they would meet at a branch of Seneca College inside a mall at Jane and Finch. So it's not as if they have any, like, established center. They just borrow space at the moment. Let's go into a little bit more detail about some of the issues that JFAP has been involved in. Tell me more about what the group has done with respect to transit issues. In the Jane Finch area, the intersection there in particular, very busy in regards to commuters. And it's buses that run through that vicinity there. And especially during rush hour, a lot of the buses will be very crowded. A lot of them will be delayed. People in scooters, wheelchairs, or mothers, you know, with their strollers or carriages carrying their children might get into confusion if they want to board a bus and it's crowded. They might not have any space to, you know, board. Or if they do, there might be a lot of confusion, maybe anger or arguments. And a lot of issues uh, spoken about, like expensive food, expensive fare, you know, rent, utility costs going up. And there's talk about the Metro Pass. A lot of people use the Metro Pass, but talk of how TTC wants to phase out the Metro Pass and have commuters use the Presto Card instead. And there are concerns of Presto Card use being more expensive or senior citizens, you know, especially ones with JFAP who would use like tokens or tickets, concerns that they might have to use a Presto card instead and have to go all the way to like the TDC headquarters to be able to get it if they don't have any access to any nearby subway station to get it. So these are transit issues I could think of that a lot of the members would be concerned about. What has JFAP done with respect to social assistance programs in Ontario, which would be Ontario Works, or OW, and the Ontario Disability Support Program, or ODSP? There was talk of possibly merging OW and ODSP. JFAP helped campaign against merging those two benefits. Or, you know, there was one benefit known as Community Startup Fund that would help poor people move to another home and start paying the rent for the new home they'd be in. JFAP campaigned against cutting that fund. And I think they've campaigned for better rates of these benefits. Oh, also, you know, like a special diet benefit for people who receive OW or ODSP. And tell me more about JFAP's involvement in the organizing against the Line 9 pipeline, which pipes bitumen that has originated in the tar sands between Sarnia and Montreal. Whether it be certain demonstrations, perhaps where Line 9 is, or attending one or two forums that discuss the issue of Line 9, and that discuss the pipeline system 
in North America that Line 9 is a part of. Some JFAP members even traveled all the way to Sarnia in regards to Line 9 and environmental hazards of pipelines and oil refineries. I think they've also handed out flyers campaigning against Line 9 and have held or have taken part in panels campaigning against Line 9. So I guess for some of these, we've been talking about issues, but not so much about actions. So why don't you tell me a bit more about the kinds of actions that JFAP and its members take when it comes to this broad range of issues? JFAP has held a lot of street corner rallies where a microphone and speaker would be set up, a table of refreshments, maybe petitions or, you know, like flyers that would be placed at the table for members to hand out to people walking by. There are members from JFAP who would take part in a lot of marches, especially downtown. And a lot of the JFAP members would even be bused downtown so they could take part in marches or forums discussing poverty issues or like housing or benefits issues. There are actually some JFAP members who had a plan to board a bus at Jane Finch and refused to pay any fare as a protest. But somehow the police and TDC staff managed to find out about it before it happened. So uh, that protest never did really happen. So some JFAT members just ended up having discussions with one or two TDC supervisors and maybe some police officers as well. So campaigns like these I can think of. Also marching up Jane Street, campaigning for like affordable food and healthy food, and actually plant some food along the way, marching up Jane Street. Also, some JFAP members talking on panels. These kind of ways that JFAP would take part in campaigning with regards to certain issues. And I'd imagine when you're out in the community taking action of one sort or another, that can often lead to getting into conversation with other people from the neighborhood. Give me a sense of the kinds of responses, the kinds of conversations that you get into with other people in the Jane Finch community. Of course, you know, there are people who will walk by who show no interest. When it comes to certain rallies, like at the street corner, JFAP has managed to find a lot of people to sign petitions. JFAP has managed to find people who will take flyers. And there have even been some people on the street who take part in the rallying, who may actually, you know, like, say something or even sing or chant something. It hasn't necessarily translated into this explosion of membership, but there have been a few who have come to JFAP after seeing what JFAP has done on street corners. There has been a lot of attendance lately of JFAP meetings, but I'm not sure if it would be credited strictly to the rallies at street corners. But, you know, there are people who are attracted by, say, Zumba dancing at a JFAP rally 
or are attracted to, you know, like some singing or rapping at a JFAP rally. Even something like painting, and especially children having fun taking part in painting. These are the kinds of reactions and ways that JFAP has found people to participate. But of course, there are people who just don't care. You know, they show no interest. What other groups does JFAP work with on a regular basis? There's Workers' Action Center that has a huge role in the $15 in fairness campaign. And there's the Ontario Coalition Against Poverty. There's Black Creek Community Farm, of course. There's a group that happens, I'd say, twice a month known as Political Conversations Cafe, where political issues are discussed. There are JFAT members who take part in that as well. A lot of JFAT members, including me, take part in a group known as Health Equity Action Group that tries to deal with the issue of mental health, mental illness, the struggles of those who are mentally ill, the stigma, especially ones who have psychiatric illness and they're like racialized, poor perhaps. These are the groups I can think of. I forgot to mention TDC writers, JFAP having a lot of dealings with TDC writers. And there's also people who who take part in JFAP who are from the Ontario Public Interest Research Group at York University. How is JFAP structured and how does it make decisions? The organizing committee was recently set up to deal with certain issues that JFAP members would be concerned about as a way to try to find more time to deal with those issues. Because there's a belief that if they would try to deal with those issues at the general membership meeting, it would take too long to get done or never get done. When it comes to issues like what JFAP should do Next, in regards to their campaigning, in regards to what kind of structure JFAP should have, in regards to, I suppose, the way they deal with the membership or reach out to residents in the community, the organizing committee would deal with that stuff. Or someone like me who tries to say that JFAP should reach out to youngsters more. You know, issues like that would be discussed at the organizing committee meeting. While at the general membership meeting, I noticed issues discussed like what happened like at a rally or demonstration that JFAP members would take part in. Or talking about a demonstration or a panel that would come up in the future and notifying the general membership about this event to come up and asking people if they'd be interested in coming. Or, you know, talking about the way some JFAP members took part in, whether it be speaking on a panel or taking part in a rally or, you know, dealing with an other organization in regards to certain issues that would be campaigned about. That's what I noticed the general membership meetings being used for. So when JFAP is planning an action or an event, what kinds of things do you do to promote it, to try and get people to come out and participate? I noticed them advertising on you know, Facebook in regards to these events. WordPress, I'm not so sure about. 
Definitely Facebook, though. JFAP has, I guess you'd call it a WordPress account. Some JFAP members will post a lot of stuff on WordPress. JFAP has a few Facebook accounts as well. I don't know of JFAP to be that involved in Twitter. Not to my knowledge. I noticed JFAP mainly using WordPress and Facebook. Also in regards to handing out flyers. You know, like giving members flyers to hand around. Or they hand around flyers at meetings. Perhaps hand out flyers in the street. These are the ways I know of that people from JFAP would promote their events. So given the wide range of issues that JFAP and its members are actively engaged in, what would you say are the key two or three changes that would really make things better for the people who live in the Jane Finch community? There's been a lot of talk lately about how maybe JFAP should focus on less issues, you know, find a few issues to focus on instead of a wider variety of issues to focus on. So when it comes to like affordable or accessible transit usage or transit fares, the $15 in fairness campaign, these are the issues that JFAP has been concentrating on recently. So trying to bring to the public, you know, like notify the public the issue of affordable fares, accessible transit, and better wages for minimum wage workers, and more respect, protection, and benefits for workers. Also, the issue of workers who get ripped off by temp agencies. These are the issues that I know JFAP to be focusing on mainly at the moment. So as we record this interview today in the second week of November, what are a couple of the key things that are coming up for JFAP and its members? JFAP usually has an annual retreat. The organizing committee is looking about trying to plan this retreat. Next week, I believe, there's to be an annual national housing rally downtown. And I'm confident that there will be some GFAT members who will go to that, even be bused to that downtown. These are the things I can think of offhand for the near future. You have been listening to my interview with Dwight Gordon of the Toronto-based group Jane Finch Action Against Poverty. To learn more about their work, go to jfap.wordpress.com. That's jfaap.wordpress.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Your footprints, fills, 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 f
Tschüss.